Welcome to the weekly podcast from Faith Community Church in Janesville, Wisconsin. For more information about Faith Community, please visit our website at www.faithcommunitychurch.net or check us out on Facebook by searching Faith Community Church Janesville. You can also reach us by email at podcast at faithjanesville.org. You can be a part of this ministry and help advance the kingdom by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a five-star review. This helps us spread the word of God in the podcast world, allowing us to better reach more people in the name of Christ. Good morning, those of you online, however you're tuning in, podcast or Facebook or uh, YouTube website. We're glad you're here. This is an important day because we were looking at Michael T. Powers just a minute ago, and today we're going to be ordaining him as a pastor. And so, Mike, would you come up? We just need Mike right now. Mike, you come on up here right now. Uh, About 21 years ago, I think I made a really good decision when I invited Mike to come on our staff full-time as our youth minister. And we're both probably going to cry. <laughs> and uh, it was a good decision. And uh, I, I recognized the gift within him, and we wanted to develop that. And we all know he's been effective in ministry, but I kept encouraging him, finish your degree. Finish your degree. It was like a broken record, right? And so uh, he surprised me uh, a little while ago, a few weeks ago. He said, I got, I got to meet with you. I said, is it good news or bad news? It's been a bad day. There's been a lot of stuff coming at us today. And he goes, uh, it's, it's good. And he said, I decided to go back to school. And I went, that's a great, it's going to serve you well. And he goes, and I'm finished. I was like, What? You sneaky guy. And so uh, we have to, we can't ordain him until he's finished his degree. And so now that that's done, uh, we are going to have that ceremony today. And before we do that, we've got a couple friends of yours that want to say something. Hey, Michael T., I wanted to say congratulations. You did it. That is a fantastic job. You did it in a short time and working so so many hours as well. So very proud of you. I'm stuck here in sunny Florida, so <laughs> I'm not able to be there, but I really wish I could be. So next step, Masters. Congratulations, man. Mike, you and I have served the Lord together in countries like Guatemala and Hungary and Germany. But the greatest memories and the greatest experiences were serving God together on staff at Faith Community Church. I want to congratulate you on your ordination, the hard work you did to get to this point. Uh, God is going to continue to use you. And I just encourage you with 2 Timothy 2.2 and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men or youth who will also be qualified to teach others. God bless you. Love you. Nice. That was Pastor Sean Christensen, who was our discipleship pastor before Pastor Tim Bales and Janet Bales, who was our worship leader uh, at one time for a number of years. And so I'm going to ask if Rod Sawyer, who was the youth minister, 
for both Mike Powers and Jesse Thompson, our family pastor, if he's going to come up and offer uh, prayer and scripture. And then we've got some others. Uh, Christy, you come up. You, if you, uh, Chase, uh, are any of our pastors that are here, um, Dennis, the Roaches, can come up. Come on up now. And uh, just to be, a, Tim's coming up. And just to be present, we're going to lay hands as scripture instructs us to do. And uh, I've heard many stories about the legend of Pastor Rod Sawyer. And uh, it's great to have him here, and I appreciate the influence you've had on this church. Think about that. So um, why don't you, I'll let you take it from here, and, uh, and we'll, we'll all pray. You'll read some scripture, and then we'll lay hands on Mike, pray, and then Mike's going to take just a couple moments and, and share from his heart, too. We are so thankful to be a part of this commemoration in this milestone for Michael T. Powers. We have much to be thankful for. We're thankful for the day that, as a very young man, you called him to faith. And his Berean-like spirit led him to the Word of God, and he continued to grow in his faith. He grew in his faith, and we're thankful for those who have supported him and who mentored him and encouraged him and walked with him through the valleys and the mountaintops of life. We're especially thankful for Pastor Jeff, his recognition of his gifts and calling. We're thankful for Mike's um, talents and abilities and gifts and how he has utilized them for the kingdom of God. Yes. His teaching, which has taken him all over the world. His love for the outdoors and creation, which has produced many photographs that allows us to worship you. For his ability mm-hmm. to write and to touch hearts in a real, real way. For his ability as an athlete, which has opened the doors for him to coach and be a part of the community in which he served. And finally, we're we're thankful so much for a supporting and loving and gifted wife, Christy, and the boys. We know that Mike is a fisherman, but Mike knows that the best catches of his life mm. is Christy. And so we <laughs> commit them to you and ask, oh God, for you to continue to walk because they have been in it together for a mm. long, long time. So we commit them into your hands and speak these yes. words from Ephesians. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout generations and forever and ever. And God's people said, Amen. 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 Pastor Tim, um, can you hand me the ordination certificate there? It's under the announcement as well. And so Mike... Uh, it is my pleasure and joy to ordain you in the name of the Lord, recognize your gifts and calling to his service. And so we present that to you and we give you our love. I was going to shake first and hug. <laughs> love you. you say a couple of things. I just want to say thank you to Rod and Nancy and Dennis and Debbie, and you were up here because God knew that I needed three dads and three moms. Thank you for what you've invested in our lives. 
the ripples of your ministry that have gone out to so many people. So many people are here. I think there might be more people here to see Rod, Nancy, and Dennis, and Debbie than me <laughs> here today. Um, I'm so thankful for our church staff and just the amazing team that, that God has assembled here. And uh, for you youth, at the fall retreat when I shared as part of my message that what I had done and going back to school and that, and uh, you guys gave me a standing ovation and then you came up and mugged me <laughs> in a group hug and I just want you to know that that was like the pinnacle of being feeling loved and appreciated and there are so many former classmates here and former players of mine and, and uh, our youth leaders, I'm so thankful for what you guys do and I get paid to do what God has wired me to do. And you guys volunteer so many hours. And so I just want you to know how much you are loved. And um, Chad and Alyssa, you're here. I just want you to know how much I, I appreciate you for the opportunity that you've given me through coaching again to make me feel, uh, just have life breathe back into me. And I'm thankful for Pastor Jeff of, of realizing that coaching is a ministry and that... Uh, I can love kids, whether they're the best player on the team or whether they've never played basketball or softball before, and love them with the love of Christ. And uh, Pastor Jeff, for you to take a chance on me and to hire me at a job that most churches would not have, I am so thankful. I'm so thankful for your leadership. I'm so thankful for how you've invested in my family. Um, and I want you to remember the deal that we made that when I am 99, and you are 108, <laughs> and we're both in our wheelchairs up on this stage, and there's nobody else around, and we're just messing around, and I'm trying to pop a wheelie, and I fall in the baptismal, and you slowly crawl down, and you put your hand out, and you're trying to save me, and you start to lift me, but there's no Disney ending here because you have no strength. No, wait. I've always known you were going to die in the baptismal. Now I am too. No, no, no. No, <laughs> no you try and pull me and you can't. And, uh, okay. But that means 47 more years of ministry today. So. And lastly, to uh, Caleb and Carly and Connor and Mickey and Chase. Chase, who are you going to marry? Okay. But thank you, you guys, for living your faith out for all to see and for the amazing love that you have shown Christy and I, and Christy, we've been through fire, and uh, you have stuck by me, and just like Pastor Jeff giving me a second chance to do ministry when I had pursued sports and never finished my schooling, you have given me a thousand chances, and uh, I am so thankful for you, and I love you. And to our church, thank you for the amazing ways that you make us as a staff feel loved and appreciated. Thank you. Thank you guys for coming up. Thank you. Thank you for your expression of love to Mike and Christy. And uh, what a, we're grateful. I'm grateful for the team we have here at Faith. 
And uh, most youth pastors stick around for like, I think the average is nine months to two years. And so to have Mike here for 21 years, and we had Janan here for like 24. And so at one time, our children and youth pastors were combined 40 years of ministry at the same staff. It's unheard of. And so God has put together uh, all 23 staff that we have here are good at what they do, and you should be thankful uh, for them, and I'm sure that you are. So we're going we're gonna to talk about our bookmark, what we're talking in the, in the gospel life of Jesus. It says, I am willing. I am willing. I should tell you a little bit about, if you are willing, rather, the story we're going to look at today. I'm having a little bit of a clicker problem. Uh, it's like it's jammed or something. You, you guys didn't let Pastor Phil use my clicker last week, did you, when he was here? Because you know it's my clicker, but okay. How many of you have ever felt like an outcast? Let me see your hands up. You felt rejected. You felt like an outcast. I, I know in my life, one of the examples that sticks out is when I was about eight years old, just at the point where girls stopped having cooties, right? And I had a girlfriend, and we broke up. It was an eight-year-old, nine-year-old breakup. And some of the ladies were, girls were mad at me in the neighborhood, and there was a knock on the back door, and I went to the door, and there was a note on the back screen door, and I read it, and it was a column, and it said on the left side, cute boys, and it was the name of all my friends, and on the right, it said ugly boys, and it was just my name. <laughs> I'm glad you're laughing at my devastation this morning. <laughs> and so then... At the bottom was all these girls that signed it that were friends of mine and the girl that was my ex-girlfriend. And I was just broken, right? I felt like such a reject, such an outcast. You know, I'm ugly, you know, you know a nine-year-old, right? But I didn't feel very good. Well, imagine if a whole society thought that you were an outcast. Imagine if the whole culture viewed you as inferior or lesser than. One of the things we did in seminary was you take a world religions class and you learn about the different religions and it's very beneficial. But one of the things I want to share with you is about the caste system. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to study Hinduism or not, but in the Hinduism, there is these four castes. We start off with the Brahmin, the priests, all the way down to the lower caste who are the servers. But there's a group that's not even a caste. They're so low, they're not even a caste and they're called the untouchables. And you literally don't touch them. They literally are seen as having bad karma from a previous life that they have to work through. So you don't really give them mercy or compassion. You let them reap what they've sown and go through their bad karma in hopes that in the next life they'll come up in back in a higher caste. And so they suffer with lack of medical care, with the worst jobs, with poor living conditions, by treating as lesser than, as not worthy to even be touched. And so they're the broken. It's literally what the name means. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at uh, a testimony of a woman who was born into an untouchable family. If you're born in that family, it doesn't matter what you've done, you're considered an un untouchable and she came to America and she wrote a book. And we're going to take a listen to about two minutes 
of her story, and then we'll get into the Word of God. So let's go ahead and watch the screens right now. The first now. time I knew that I was inferior, I probably was 18 months old. I knew that we were untouchables. Untouchability means actually untouchability. You cannot touch them. Caste is a forced occupation based on your birth. When I first came to America, people treated me equally. In fact, even in the beginning, I used to feel, uh, what if they touch me, uh, they're, you know, they're gonna be polluted. One time, he, my, a boyfriend of mine was eating from something that I already touched, and he was going there, and I said, no, 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 stop, 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 I touched it, I touched it, and his heart broke, like, uh, you're not in, a, in, in India anymore. Hinduism, more or less, is an ideological, religious prop for this social system that is caste. Brahma, the creator, uh, the Brahmins are supposed to have come from uh, the forehead and the Kshatriyas from the arms, merchant caste from the thighs, service caste from legs. And untouchables are not part of any of uh, Brahma, the creator. What makes them untouchable is they are assigned hereditary duties that are considered filthy and menial by the Indian society. Like the hardest jobs are theirs and the filthiest jobs are given to them. Based on these different occupations, there are about, in my area, 52 different subcasts within untouchability. And my family is called Mala. Mala means uh, people who do agricultural labor. And there are others who do like removing dead animals, burning the dead people, and carrying away human shit. My stories, my family stories, were not stories in India. They were just life. Your life is your caste, your caste is your life. At 26, I came to America, where people know only skin color. Only in talking to some friends I met here did I realize that my stories my family stories are not stories of shame. It's not healed. It is not healed. That's an excellent, I'm gonna read that book. I think it's gonna be a good book to read, but the point of the story is she came to believe that she was less than, that she was an untouchable, that she was unworthy of the respect and the esteem of those around her. Well, same is true today as is true in Bible times. There's always been folks that look down on other folks. Some might look down on them because of their race. Some might look down upon one another because of their religion, their social economic status, their class, their culture, their ideology, the things they believe, that we see them as a lesser than. We see them possibly as not as important as me, or I certainly don't feel bad when something bad happens to them. After all, they're reaping what they've sown. And in Bible times, the lowest class of people were the lepers. If you received leprosy, you had, number one, a disease that was going to kill you. Disease that would take away your fingers and your toes, possibly your nose and your ears. You would die of infection, a complete lack of medical care. You might die of starvation. You might die of, because you were outcast and had to live outside the city, you might be attacked by animals, a victim of, of violence, starvation, exposure to the elements. If you received the prognosis of leprosy, it was a death sentence. 
You are the walking dead. It is just a matter of time, not if you die, but when you die. You are going to die a slow, agonizing, lonely death. You could be a successful businessman. You could be a mom with a loving family. And as soon as you're diagnosed with leprosy, you must leave everybody. You must leave your home, your family, your city, your job, everything, and live outside and fend for yourself like an animal looking for scraps, announcing when anybody comes near you that doesn't have leprosy, you had to scream out, unclean, unclean. And the uncleanness was not just a physical leprosy. It was the fact that you were viewed as being punished by God. The reason you have leprosy is either because of your sin or your parents' sin. We don't know exactly what you did or your parents did to deserve this, but God has punished you. And these are the consequences for your actions. You are reaping what you've sown. You are a leper, and you are outcast from inside and within. Nobody can touch you. Nobody can come near you. And so this is the situation. And we're going to find a man who's so desperate. He recognizes that Jesus is good. He recognizes that Jesus has power. He recognizes Jesus is his only hope. And so what he does is he breaks through all those social barriers. Without anybody's permission, without anybody's invitation, Jesus never said, lepers come to me. The disciples never said, Jesus will see the lepers now. The society norms, the walls are still up, and he bursts them down. He breaks all the rules to get to Jesus because he's going to die. His leprosy is an advanced stage, and we find his story in Luke's gospel, the fifth chapter. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy, very advanced, very sick. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Mark tells the end of the story this way. He says, see to it, Jesus said. He told the man, see to it that you don't tell this to anyone. But go and show yourself to the priests and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Be part of society once again. And instead, he, be- he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. He's like, you want me to be silent about this miracle? There's no way. And so he starts telling everybody, and everybody knows that he was a leper. Everybody knows that he now has skin like a newborn. Everybody knows a miracle has taken place. Basically, this is the equivalent of a resurrection. Jesus has brought a dead man back to life. And what happens when that news is heard? It says, as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places, yet the people still came to him from everywhere. If Jesus can heal leprosy, maybe he can heal blindness. If Jesus can heal leprosy, maybe he can open my ears or cause me to walk again. And so people came to Jesus. And I want to look at three important statements in that passage. The first is, if you are willing. If you are willing is not so much about the heart of Jesus. Because he already knows that Jesus cares about people. And he wouldn't be there if he didn't think there was a chance that Jesus might minister to him. If you are willing is more about the leper 
than it is about Jesus. Are you willing to touch somebody as lowly as me? Are you willing to care about somebody like me who's being punished by God, who's receiving the consequences of my sin? Would you be willing to care even so much about a person like me? And all of us today, you say, well, I don't have leprosy, but here's the thing. All of us today have felt like outcasts. We admitted that at the beginning of the message. There are some of us, and I know in an audience our size, those online, those on radio or television, however you're watching, there is a good chance that a number of us have gone through abuse in our life. We've had an abuser tell us we are lesser than. We've had an abuser control us and manipulate us through guilt, verbal abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, bullying and intimidating, and telling you you're no good, and telling you to deserve what you're getting. You and I have all had bullies in our lives who've exposed weaknesses and vulnerabilities. They've talked about physical characteristics we might have or something our family has done or something we have done, and they target you, and they intimidate you, and they put their finger on that sore spot, and they use that to control and manipulate you, and they're bullies. Some of us are impacted by things that happened to us, not just yesterday, but this could have happened in grade school. This could have happened in high school. It could be years that have gone by and it's still impacting your everyday life because you're believing what was said. My boss used to say, all the water in the world won't sink a ship unless it gets on the inside. Until you begin to believe what is said about you, it will not impact you. But as soon as you believe, yes, I am unworthy. Yes, I am unlovable. Yes, I am an outcast. Yes, I am an untouchable. Yes, I deserve what's happening to me. When you believe it, that's when it comes in. That's when it begins to sink your ship. That's the lady in the video who says, don't touch, tells her boyfriend, don't touch that food. I touched it because she saw herself in that way. What I'm hoping this morning is we'll start bailing water, right? We'll start bailing that water out of the ship and we'll start believing the message of what God says to us about who we are. And not what the bullies have said, not what the abusers have said, not what the tormentor has said. The second important statement is profound. Jesus reached out and touched him. I want to emphasize the word touch. This man had not been touched in so long. He had not experienced a hug. He had not experienced physical love and touching in the longest time. Jesus touched him. What was Jesus? You know, Jesus didn't have to do this. Jesus didn't have to touch him. Jesus could have done it from a distance. He he does that in Matthew chapter 8. Servant comes to him from Capernaum, the centurion, and says, my servant's paralyzed. And Jesus says, shall I I come and heal him? He says, no. I'm kind of going through this fast. If you want a longer version of this sermon, take the 830 stream. I don't deserve this. Have you come under my roof? Just say the word. Say right where you're at. Say the word and my servant will be healed. I said, then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. He didn't touch him. He didn't go near him. He doesn't have to touch the leper. What is the message that Jesus is sending 
to the man. What is the message he is sending to those who are watching by touching the leper? Can you almost hear the gasp of the crowd as he touches the leper? If he touches the leper, that means he's going to get leprosy. Does Jesus want to die of leprosy? Can you imagine the disciples and what's going through their mind when Jesus touches the leper? Now we're going to be with Jesus. Is he going to give leprosy to us? They're stunned. Their, their, their jaws are, 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 have dropped. I can't believe what I'm seeing. And then as they continue to watch, it's not the leprosy that overcomes Jesus. It's Jesus that overcomes the leprosy. And they watch the skin as it's transformed, and they see the power of God, and they recognize a miracle has taken place. But what's the message? The message is you matter to God, that you're not an untouchable, that you're not an outcast, that you're not being punished by God. The message that Jesus gives when he touches him is, I love you. I care about you. I want you to be whole. I want you to notice the theme of Jesus' ministry. It's not been long, but just a matter of days ago, he stood in front of his home church and announced a sermon that made everybody so angry they wanted to kill him. Do you remember what he said was so bad? Jesus said, God, and I'm paraphrasing, I have come to be the Messiah. I'm fulfilling Isaiah 61, and I've come not just to be the Messiah of my people, but I've come to be the Messiah of the world. God cares about the Gentiles too. He always has. Remember Nahum and the Syrian. Remember the widow and Zarephath. In the Old Testament stories, God touched them and healed them and fed them. They matter to God. They always have. They always will. And they matter to me. And I'm going to reach them as well. And they're enraged. And they try to stone Jesus. And Jesus begins his ministry and he calls together his disciples. And what does he do? He goes to the temple and he finds the most educated man, the wealthiest man, the most powerful man. He goes to the Sanhedrin, to the Supreme Court, and he says, will you guys be my disciples? You're the most powerful rich man in the land. Is that what he does? He goes to the lowly fisherman. He goes to the everyday guy. He goes in the lowest caste system there is. And he says, come and follow me. And he encounters a woman at a well. She's a woman. He's a man. They're alone. He's not supposed to talk to her. She's a Samaritan. He's a Jew. And Pastor Phil talked about all the barriers that he broke through. He is a godly man, and she is an immoral woman. And they have this dialogue. We're not privileged to all of it, but we are privileged to quite a bit. And when the dialogue is finished, she runs back to her city, and she says, Jesus told me everything I ever did, and he condemned me. And he told me God hated me, and I was going to be punished. I never want to see that man again. Is that what transpires? What must have transpired if Jesus saw everything she ever did, and she still wanted to go back and see him, but not only go back and see him again, but bring her friends? What did she encounter that day? Grace. She didn't encounter judgment. She encountered grace. Right? How about if, if somebody told you, if Jesus told you everything you've ever done? You might say, oh man, I deserve, you know, I deserve wrath. I do. And you do. But his grace was manifest. You know, all of us have done things we're ashamed of. 
But when I point my finger at you, guess what? I got three pointing back at me. We're all in the same boat, guys. So none of us can get up on a, a moral high horse here. And she thought herself unworthy of God's love and was going from man to man to man to try to find meaning and significance. And Jesus says to her, you matter just as you are. You matter to God in spite of what you do. Grace and forgiveness is available to you today. And she says, come and meet a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could he be the Messiah? And the whole village comes out to encounter Jesus. And they say, now we believe too. Not just because of what you've said, but because we have met Jesus. Do you see the pattern? Now as he encounters the leper, do you see the pattern? What is what the message that Jesus is sending, not only in this passage, but in the broader ministry, is that people matter to God. The broken matter, the outcast matter, the bullied and intimidated matter. And Jesus makes a third statement that's so profound. He says, I am willing to be clean. And when he says, I am clean, be clean, I want you to understand the magnitude of this word, katharizo, in the Greek. To cleanse was not just to cleanse externally, it was to cleanse internally. It was not just to heal the body, but it was to heal the soul. He is giving Jesus, Jesus is giving to this man a physical, spiritual bath. He is cleansing him inside and out. He is, he is all his junk that he's taken in his ship that has caused him to sink, Jesus is taking all that out. And he's just letting him know he matters to God. He is made in the image of God. That he's not an accident, that he's not an outcast. That he is not being punished by God. And Jesus heals him and makes him whole from the inside out. Not just physically, but spiritually, emotionally, in every way. And I want you to know, this is what the Word of God says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This talks about the immutability of God, that his nature and his character is always the same. Jesus is still willing, and that's good news. Jesus is still cleansing. So if you're listening today, and you identify with what I've said, and you're feeling like an outcast, or maybe you've been a victim of abuse, understand you don't have to listen to those recordings anymore. The kids here won't know what I'm saying, but you can take that cassette out of its player. They don't know what I'm talking about. And you can throw it out. You can get rid of it because that recording isn't valid. That recording isn't true. What you replace it with instead is you believe what God has said about you, and you believe and you receive his invitation. Matthew's gospel, Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. And I think we would all identify with that. We all have been or will be or are weary and burdened because life is hard. Life is difficult. And his promise is, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. The yoke was for the yoke of oxen. And there was a yoke that you wanted to make smooth and comfortable. No splinters, nothing jagged that would hurt the animal. You wanted it to be comfortable in the yoke. And you would take an older, more schooled, trained oxen and, and yoke it to a young one that's just starting out and the young one learns from the old one how to plow the field. So what Jesus is saying is, let's plow through life together. Let's be partners. 
hook up with me. Let's do this together, right? Be yoked to me, for I am, you will take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And Jesus still gives that invitation today. That's still his heart. That's still his desire. And it's my prayer today that you who've taken in the lies, who've taken in the abuse, taken in the untruths and seeing yourself as unworthy or unlovable, and maybe you, leave, maybe you show an air of confidence. Maybe when somebody looks at you, they wouldn't have a clue that inside you're broken. Inside you see yourself as an untouchable. But I want us to take a moment and I want us to go to the throne and I want us to pray. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we're so grateful today that our Lord Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How Jesus was, he is, and will forever be. And his heart of compassion, his heart of his desire to heal, to cleanse, that is still the desire of our Savior. And it's my prayer and hope that as this man in the story, that we will come to Jesus, we'll come to him with our past, we'll come to him in our shame, come to him in our guilt, we'll come to him in our sickness, in our brokenness, and say, Jesus, if you are willing, cleanse me. And Jesus' response will be, I am willing, be cleansed. That, Lord, those listening today can invite the Holy Spirit to minister to them and bathe them to cleanse their soul that we might reject lies and embrace the truth of who we are and of why we're here, that we are created in the image of God, that we're not accidents, that we're created for purpose and by design, that we might live out those purposes yoked to you, learning from you as we go through together this journey of life, seeing ourselves as you see us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Faith Community Church Podcast. We are glad that you joined us and hope that you were blessed by the message. If you would like to join us in the ministry of sharing the Word of God, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review. This helps us build the analytics of the channel, allowing us to better reach people in the name of Christ. Go be the light in your family, your community, and your church. God bless you.